Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Joanne. And I'm Kim. And today we have with us Brittany Cephas, a licensed pediatric psychotherapist, to give us all the ins and outs of what our kids, our nieces, our nephews, your neighbor's kids, all the children (laughs) in your life may have been going through throughout the pandemic, because we're still in it mentally and how they've been coping and how, you know, tips and and guidance for us who are in their lives on what we can do to support them mentally and emotionally as we are still in this pandemic. So Brittany, let's start with you introducing yourself and letting us know exactly what do you do in this realm of pediatric mental health? Yes, thank you, Kim and Joanne. I'm so happy to be here on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I do love, I just want to say what you said, Joanne, like it really does take a village to help the kids, especially now with all that they've been going through. So I love that you put it that way. And my name is Brittany Cephas. I am a licensed pediatric psychotherapist and owner and operator of Growing Young Minds Counseling. It is a private mental health practice for children and adolescents. My office is located in Columbia, Maryland. My services are virtual right now because of the pandemic. I'm also a yoga teacher and published author, content creator, wife, and a girl mom. And, you know, those are the things that I, you know, I have kind of under my belt that I, you know, I use every day with my practice and just to better support my clients and to be a better clinician, a a better private practice owner as well. In my practice, I take a holistic approach when treating children and adolescents. Since the pandemic, I've been doing virtual, like I mentioned. But I've also been accepting kiddos who are about 10 years old all the way up to about, I'll say 18. The younger ones, I refer them out to maybe like art therapy, play therapy, just until things get back to a sense of us feeling comfortable being in person again. Uh, And it really is because I think the younger ones do benefit from more of a in person, if it's offered for play therapy and things like that. But once the pandemic, you know, gets better, like I said, I'm going to be able to continue on with the in person for the younger ones. So I do a holistic approach. I try to uh, make sure I am addressing different areas like eating, movement, even with like mindfulness. I do a, a lot of that. I try to incorporate a little bit of art and yoga. It really kind of just depends on what the need of my client is at the time. But I try to be tailored as much as I can to what my client needs. But I do take eclectic approach to treatment. And that's awesome. I think that's the way most treatment with health professionals should go is the holistic. Because nobody is the same. Nobody has the same background. Nobody... You know, everyone is different. So why would you be treating everybody like in a, a, a cookie cutter type of, you know, exactly. therapy? It's crazy. It is. Exactly. I agree. 
Yeah. And I found it interesting too. I'm not a mom, but Joanne is the mom here that, you know, you refer younger children out to art therapy. That's something new I've never heard of. So I definitely have to look into that. But I wanted to ask you, Brittany, in your practice, you know, how has the pandemic impacted the mental health and overall well-being of kids in general? Like, what are some things that you're seeing? Yeah, I really love this question because it does take me back to when I had to switch over to being virtual. And I was like, Lord, I don't even know what this is going to be like, but here we go. You know, at the time, I actually was coming off of maternity leave. I had just had a baby uh, four months prior. Yeah, it, it just was such a whirlwind. But, you know, in the beginning, parents were like, you know, I'm looking for services for my child because I don't want them to get bored. I don't know how long they're going to be out of school. And I just want them to have someone to talk to. Right. And I'm like, OK, sure, of course. So as, you know, six months later, you know, parents are like, well, wait a minute. I'm starting to notice that my child seems a bit sad. They're isolating. They seem a bit angry lately, you know, and I'm like, OK, OK. So about four months ago, I was getting calls from parents saying, hey, my, my daughter is complaining about stomach aches and that they're having body pains and they're having headaches. Really? And, you know, wow. So it be. The prolonged stress is where I'm getting at. Yes, the prolonged stress of not knowing what's happening, then them having to deal with doing school online and all these deadlines that the kids couldn't make up. And, you know, just it's all the stress and the pressure of trying to perform for school and not knowing what's happening in the world. And, you know, with all those disgusting things that were going on in, in the world and in the media and uh, even with them losing family members to COVID or losing family members to divorce and things like that. I kids were starting to show up into, I mean, now I think it's getting a little bit better, but four months ago, it was nothing but psychosomatic symptoms that the kids were displaying from the prolonged stress, you know, and some parents waited this long to get their kids help. And that could be for whatever reason, you know, it's no judgment, but sometimes, you know, uh, things happen and it's not until the, the parents like, okay, okay, now, now it's time for you to get help. So they've just been having a rough time. And I've noticed that the older ones, the, the teens have had the most difficult time with it because they have more time with being in a routine and more experience with going to school and having social groups and a social life, you know, so it, it's the stress has been so significant that it has caused their bodies to respond as well. That I mean, that absolutely makes sense. It happens with adults. So why not? Oh, yeah. There you go. Right. All the time. Right. Yeah. I remember with my niece, she's a tween. And uh, she was in middle school and she was just so excited to, you know, experience middle school and different things of that nature. And the pandemic hit and she stayed home. And I remember my sister-in-law getting so mad at my niece, wondering, like, why, why are you failing? Like, the work is easy. Like, you're really failing band and art. And, you know, in hi hindsight is always 2020. And, you know, I can definitely see the psychological 
as well as the physiological impact because she'll just start sleeping all day. She'll ask me, oh, auntie, can we go to Walmart and walk up and down so I can see people? And, you know, these are things that you don't even think about. Uh, so fortunately, she's enrolled in school again and she's doing a lot better. But, you know, we never really consider because, you know, all that we're hearing on the news is working from home and it's really geared towards adults. But we don't consider the impact it has on the upcoming generation. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. You know, I have four, four boys, so I'm boy mom right now. <laughs> Don't know what this one is yet. Okay, so, for, <laughs> so my kids were eight and younger when the pandemic began. Now they're 10 and younger. So there was four of them in the house. They had each other. I felt like they had that socialization that other kids who were single kids, singletons in a home may not have had. Also, I found that with my kids, I didn't expose them or let them know all the crazy that was going on. You know, they know coronavirus, they know COVID-19 is a virus. We have to wash our hands. We got to wear masks if we do go out. I mean, they didn't go out until for like three or four months. I mean, they were in the backyard and stuff like that, but then they go to, you know, anywhere publicly until the summer of 2020 when we started going hiking up in the Georgia mountains where it was, you know, there weren't a lot of people. So they, for me, I didn't see any issues on my end. And I also told them, I also told people who were asking me like, so how are you kids doing? I was like, well, they're fine. In my mind, um, I don't see any, you know, any signs or anything going on. And I was like, you know, way back when, when your neighbor was 100 miles away from you, what did we do? <laughs> we cope, and this is what we're about to do. We're about to cope. So the question I have for you, Brittany, is are there signs that parents should be looking for? Maybe there were signs that I missed. Are there signs that we should be looking for that there is stressors from this pandemic that your kids are experiencing, especially the younger kids who are not able to always verbalize as well as a teenager yeah. could. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's an important question, too, because, uh, I mean, you think about a baby, all they know how to do is cry. And maybe the cry sounds slightly different when they're hungry. Maybe it sounds slightly different when they're tired. But the point that you made is a great point as well. The The ones who are, you know, 12 and under, I would like to say, not having the vocabulary, not having the skill, you know, or the knowledge to, to know how to ask for help or to describe what they're feeling. Whereas the older ones, I mean, all of them are just in a developmental stage where their brains are still growing. So we can't expect for them to know everything. But just some of the traditional signs, um, I think some kids have flat out asked their parents for someone to talk to, right? I mean, you can't miss that one. <laughs> you know, I've had clients as young as 12 you know, their parents would call me and say, my daughter or my son, they're 12, and they ask for someone to talk to. So, I mean, if your child asks you, get them someone to talk to if it's within your means, you can do it. But, you know, if you notice that your child may be, I would say, a little bit more aggressive lately. Some kids already have a diagnosis of ADHD, right? So you have to be careful with that because you don't want to overlook if you know that your child already has a diagnosis, whether it's ADHD or anxiety, don't overlook it because something else could have developed 
over time, especially certain things aren't been addressed. So, you know, if you notice that your child who may ha- already have pre-existing situations, if you see that those those symptoms, excuse me, that they were already displaying, if they seem a bit worse or exacerbated, get help. You know, talk to maybe their prescriber or some of the mental health people who are already on their team and say, hey, I've been noticing that they seem a little bit more aggressive lately. You know, maybe they just, they're having a hard time with their impulses. For, for those of them who may not have any pre-existing diagnosis, then parents should be looking out for if their child is not taking care of their personal hygiene or even properly, right? If they're saying that they're brushing their teeth, but they're actually not, or maybe they're overeating or undereating, right? And this is really within context because some kids eat more than other kids. I mean, they just have a larger appetite. Maybe the child is oversleeping or undersleeping. That's a good sign. In the context of you're noticing that they just don't seem like themselves lately. Maybe don't they don't have as much energy. Maybe they are they seem sad and they say, I'm sad, but I don't know why. That's a good sign. You know? Just think about us as adults. Like I sometimes I feel sad and I'm like, I don't know why I feel sad, but you know, me having a little bit more experience. I know how to manage that, but kids, they don't. So they tend to keep it to themselves and they grow and they grow and it grows into anger, right? And the parents, they see anger. So if you notice that your child seem a little bit more angry lately, or they seem a little bit more lippy lately, in addition to, again, you're noticing that they're isolating or they're not eating or they're not taking care of their personal hygiene. It's not really one specific thing. You know, you want to continue to pay close attention to all the behaviors and to what they say. Kids who say, you know, I don't, I'm dumb. I don't want to live anymore. Or, you know, I want to die. Or, you know, I don't want to be here. You know, definitely open your ear uh, because they're, they're feeling something. They don't know how to express it. And what's scary is my clients, even the ones who are 10, they don't want to tell their parents how they're really feeling because they don't want to worry their parents, right? Or they don't want to get their parents upset. And I'm like, that's unsafe because you're not feeling good. You know, you have to tell your mom, you have to tell your dad uh, when you're not feeling good. If you're feeling sad or if you're feeling worried, you know, they don't want to worry their parents. So it is definitely good to also ask, how are you feeling? I noticed that you seem sad lately. You're not playing those video games that you like to play, especially the ones who are, you know, more like people like they're social butterflies. And if they don't seem to be doing that, definitely take some time and talk to them and let them know that you're there and that you want to help. Right. That, those are some great signs. And I want to clarify, because my, my five-year-old, he wasn't brushing his teeth by himself or willingly even before the pandemic. So I want to clarify, you're saying these are different changes, like if they were brushing their teeth and now right. they're no longer, because <laughs> right. it's a struggle and it continues on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, all kids, you know, they have their personality. So, you know, so yes, if your child was, previously handling all their personal hygiene without any help or, you know, very much support, 
you know, without you having to like knock on the door every two minutes and say, did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Like if that has changed in addition to you noticing that maybe they don't have as much energy or they're not eating or they just don't seem like themselves, then it will be worth kind of like checking in with them, you know, because what has also been a concern is for some of the kids who have not had such extreme reactions or even significant or modern reactions to the pandemic and how it has impacted their mental health, there still is a level of stress that everyone has experienced, right? And it may not be on a large scale. So let's say your son, I mean, if he was already having a difficult time with remembering to brush his teeth or not wanting to, or maybe wanting to spend that time with you, some of the stress, you know, and I know you said that you pretty much kept them in their own bubble, uh, which is great. But some of the stress that maybe you and dad were experiencing that you probably weren't talking about, but maybe your body was kind of like showing some of it, it could have kind of set him back a little bit. That's just an example. And my daughter, she's she's going to be 19 months now. I mean, she is, I taught her sign language very early on. So she knows, yeah, thank you. She knows baby sign language. And she can respond to that. And I'm teaching her a little bit of Spanish and stuff. Because I did that with my, my older daughter. But she still is not talking all the way, you know. And I think the pandemic has really caused some stress because I was stressed. My, You know, my husband and I, we were stressed. And I think there are similar situations where it's not as significant, but it, it has some type of an impact. And I don't doubt that she's going to bounce back, you know, or any other child because they are resilient. But putting them in a position where they can be able to bounce back with support is really what's going to help. All right. It's what they need to be. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny that you say that because my two-year-old, he was maybe six or nine months. I can't even remember exactly when March hit and the pandemic began. So, you know, for him in the last two years, this is the norm. Like, this is what normal is. When, when my boys started going to school, this physically going to school this year, that's abnormal for him because we've all been home, all six of us, my husband, myself, we've been home since March, 2020. And we just, you know, it's been the norm for him. But the thing with him is that even with three older siblings who are chatterboxes all the <laughs> damn time, he, his, his speech was delayed. Like he has, um, what is it called? Expressive, his expressive speech is what has been delayed. His understanding or his receptive, is that what it's called? Speech? I can't remember the exact term. He understands everything. He, he listens to what I tell him. He follows me, you know, all that stuff. Because um, I was like, oh my gosh, I was scared that it was signs of autism, but his pediatrician did not think that it was that at all. But none of my other kids have had this issue of delayed speaking. And he said mommy for the first time at the end of August. Aww. And I was so, I was like, oh my gosh, my Aww, nice. <laughs> I don't know how that yes. feels, yeah. you know, as yes. a mom to hear 
just so even though you hate it when they start using it a lot, like mommy, my all does. mommy. Oh my goodness. But that yeah. first time, <laughs> it's so crazy. But then I have my friend who she only has two boys, and her son is one month older than my two-year-old. And he has explosive language. Like his language is clear. He's been speaking like at the time that he should have been speaking. He has the vocabulary and all that stuff. And they've both been gone through the pandemic at the same time. They're the only family that has been in our bubble up here in Georgia that we've met up with. And for me, I don't know. I don't know if I totally correlated with the pandemic. I don't know if I should or not, because here she's, my, you know, my friend is the example of her kids, same things, you know, he went through the same thing and he's speaking well. And then here's my baby. He has delayed expressive speech, you know? So that's something, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. And he could also, or, you know, the other child could also be delayed in other ways, you know, like potty trained or, you know, I'm just throwing things out there. You know, um, sometimes eating could be suppressed uh, because of stress. You know, think about when we're stressed. You don't, I don't even want to see, don't even show me any food. I just want to lay down, take a nap, you know. (laughs) True, true. You know, some kids are underweight because of it. And it's just a lot that we have to take into consideration. But it's hard to know what we don't know, what we need to ask about and you know, I I love the pediatricians because they they make you feel like you're doing a great job. At least the ones that I work with, it's like, well, mom, you're doing a great job. And it's like kind of like, but I need more details. Like you got to tell me a little bit more. Um, but even with my daughter and her speech, she's like, she'll be okay. Let's revisit it here. Let's revisit it there. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm like already googling speech therapists for children because you know, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, well, wait a minute, I don't. I don't know if I'm comfortable just waiting a little bit longer. Right. I mean, um, I will say my pediatricians, they're excellent. They're functional health, functional pediatricians, or some people, you know, may look at them as holistic pediatricians. So they they go into nitty gritty. Like our sessions, our appointments are not 15 minutes. They're about an hour long and they go into detail with everything. So, you know, she's been telling me, you know, let's, she doesn't think it's autism. Let's do speech just to get things moving along. But I've just been nervous, you know, with, because it's a pandemic. Like, I don't want to bring my baby to expose him to anything. So that has been the delay as well for me. Yeah. Well, you're doing, you're doing good with what you're doing. Yeah. It, it is all interesting, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm definitely learning so much. So I'm like, okay, I'm here taking all okay, speech therapy. Okay, when's the time to explain? <laughs> language. So you ladies are definitely teaching me a lot here. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So Brittany, I was looking on your um, Instagram and there was one particular post that really stuck out to me. And you have your daughter in the post and she's holding like a bottle of vitamins. And in the caption, your caption's short, it's sweet, it's straight to the point. You state that vitamins are essential to your child's mental health. Could you go into that a little bit and and speak about that? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, who knew how important vitamins were outside of, like, development of our body and our bones and, you know, all the things internally. but 
vitamins are also super important for mental health and wellness. And it's not just for adults, right? It's for little people too. I mean, they are people, they're just smaller people. Now, vitamin D is super significant um, because it, it does help support the brain and the body when it comes to depression. All the Bs, like vitamin like B6 and B12, those are also good. They help with anxiety and things like that. And, you know, it's not just like, I know we all heard, like, make sure your child has a well-balanced diet. Make sure your child is getting this and getting that. All of that is important because it's actually also in the foods that they eat. So vitamins are just obviously supplements to help, but we should be getting it in the actual food that we eat as well. So I, I like to make sure that when my clients are coming to me, I also do a holistic uh, treatment plan for my clients. And I'm talking to their parents about what's going on. And yeah, thank you. And I make a recommendation and, you know, making sure that they have vitamins is, is super important. And the big ones for mental health, when it comes to depression and stress, because those are like the primary ones, especially with kids, making sure that they're having the vitamin D, they're getting that in. And, you know, a lot of kids get it also with sun, which some kids didn't have, you know, backyards that they could go out and play in the sun when we were quarantined like others did. So there's other natural ways of getting it, but the vitamin D and the the B vitamins are super important to help the kids, especially for parents who are not sure about going into medication. They want to try the holistic stuff. So, you know, for parents who are like, well, let's wait. Let's, I don't want to go to the psych doctor just yet. Let's do it the holistic way. I'm like, okay, well, then we need to increase this and we need to increase that. And I'm, I'm not taken away from professionals like holistic doctors and and things like that. I'm just going off of years of me doing this, even outside of being a private practice clinician myself. I've worked in, I've worked in mental health for more than 10 years. So, you know, this is just evidence-based things that I'm now being able to do with my own clients and my own practice that it, it really does work. But the holistic way is, it's, it's great. For some, it happens slower for some, you know, and a little bit more quicker for others. But it really just depends on your lifestyle and how you're going about doing it. Right. You know, and I, I, love, I love the fact of the food first approach that you mentioned, but then also mentioning the importance of vitamin D. Because, I mean, over 75% of, I think it's specifically... Latinos and also African-Americans, 75% of our populations are vitamin D deficient. And I mean, we're staying inside a lot more. So if we're not going outside, if we're not getting it in the foods that we eat, especially growing children who are so picky, even my um, my 16-year-old niece, like I have to force her, take this multi, like, come on, you're 16, come on. But I mean, the pickiness is real, especially when they only want to eat a limited variety of foods. So um, I definitely do think there is a place for uh, multivitamins. There is. Oh, definitely. Definitely. 100%. 
Brittany, there's something that you said on your on one of your Instagram posts that I, I highly believe in and I try to practice every day, <laughs> even when I'm angry and fussing at these kids. <laughs> you said, let your child see you smile at them every day. It will give them lasting confidence. So what I try to practice like in the evenings, because that's the quietest time of the day is making sure that I give them a hug, tell them I love them um, before they go to bed. Because I think I read or heard somewhere about, I think it's like 30 seconds of putting your arms around somebody and hugging them every day does something physiologically. So can you go into that? How important is it for us as parents, aunts, uncles, and all that who are listening? How important is it to make sure that your child sees positive behaviors of or, or positive, I don't know, I feel like there's a term for this, like positive facial <laughs> behavior, or I don't know, I don't think it's behaviors, right? Where where they're smiling at the child at least once a day, you can't just be angry and scowling at your kid, scowling at your kid all the time, and giving them something that reassures them that they yeah. are loved. Oh, yeah. I mean, that right there, I'm getting choked up because I... I practice it every day. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's exhausting. But it is so important for their mental health, for their confidence, uh, for emotional intelligence. I mean, I mean, the list goes on. But, you know, they see us. I, I'm, I, I'm sure any adult, even if they're not your child, we've all been around kids who are five or under or even maybe a little bit older who will say, well, hey, every time I see you, you look angry or you look upset or even my daughter, she'll try to say, well, mommy, are you sad? What's going on? You know, they are looking at us, right? And if we are communicating with them, you know, we also communicate without talking. We communicate, a big part of our communication is through our, our body language. And kids always want to know, always want to know how we feel about them, whether they ask us or not. And the younger ones, um, the ones who are toddlers, they learn through watching us. I mean, all of them do, but they also learn from the physical touch and just how we are with them and how we are in their presence. And that helps them to feel love and secure. So if your child feels love and secure, they will have confidence. Even if they're having a hard time with their emotional wellness, they will feel like, wow, my parent loves me, my parent sees me, my parent cares about me. And that will give them the boost of confidence that they need to also help them do better while they're in treatment and to feel like they can come to us with anything that they need. It really does have a, a lasting effect. And just think about how, you know, with me, like, I'm not in the office virtually on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And those are the days that I make for my kids where I'm not looking at my phone or my head is not in my laptop because I'm working from home. And, you know, I can easily, you know, work all day. So I, I, I just want set times where my kids don't see me in technology and they see me having fun with them. But not just that, being present with them. It, it really does help them. Um, it gives them confidence and it, it lets them know that 
we're here for them. And it teaches them how to love and care for other people and for themselves. And we're modeling all of this for them. That's so true. That is something that I battle. I think being at home, because I'm at home all the time as well. I, you know, I'm working periodically throughout the day, but it's kind of hard to separate time of getting off the computer, getting off your phone and responding to, you know, somebody's Instagram post or comment, I should say. It's definitely something that I struggle with. And I've made myself aware of this and I'm like, okay, I'm going to actively make I guess, time throughout the day where I'm done not doing this, not doing that. But I guess maybe it's because I'm pregnant. I'm going to give myself the excuse of pregnancy right now. <laughs> I do. I'm like, babe, I'm done. My parenting is over and I go upstairs and I go in my room. And the two-year-old, he'll follow me, which is cool because he doesn't understand. But the older ones, they'll be like, they know it's mommy time. And then throughout that day, I may not have spent much, much time with them at all, especially now that they're back in school. You know, it's kind of a short period of get home, do homework, get ready, eat dinner, get ready for bed. But that is something that I struggle with. And I'm sure there's other parents out there who are struggling with the same of working at home and trying to separate the, or even even not working at home and just being like the nine to five working at home, but like an entrepreneur working at home and separating yeah. the work time and your family mm-hmm. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think, you know, I'm I'm listening to everything that you're saying and I'm saying to myself, man, I'm a great aunt. But <laughs> truth, truth be told, truth be told, to be honest with you, I think a lot of times we like to put on, you know, like rose colored glasses and not see things for how they truly are. So I want to have you give us examples of, because, you know, in order for a child to be mentally healthy and to be able to cope with, you know, the changes that they see, what are some toxic, and I don't mean to be negative, Nancy, but I'm just, you know, trying to get real here. What are some toxic parental or guardian or adult traits that adults themselves need to look out for? Uh, especially when they're around children and dealing with, you know, their sensitivities and their emotions. Like, what are some things that we need to check ourselves on? Oh, yeah. Yes. And Joanne, you kind of like we're going in that direction. Like, first of all, knowing what your hot buttons are and knowing simultaneously when you reach your point of tapping out, you know, and Some parents can't tap out because they don't have a co-parent with them in the home. Some parents are afforded the opportunity to have a great co-parent who they're not living with, but is an awesome co-parent that they can say, hey, can you come help me? And it not be a thing where it's toxic and it's, you know, an issue. But as adults, it is good for us in our own sanity to know what our hot buttons are, just in general. Your child continues to call your name and you're tired because they kept you up the night before. Like, you know, going into that next day, you're going to be cranky. So you have to really take control and set limits or put yourself in a cool down when you feel that you're bubbling or you're getting to that point that you're going to snap. Because, you know, we all have 
I mean, maybe we all have not, but I've had times where I've raised my voice or I like to say to my, my daughter, mommy's putting on her loud voice right now because you're not listening to me. You know, however you're phrasing it, it happens because we're human. Knowing your hot buttons, knowing how to take care of yourself, knowing when to take care of yourself. Self-care is important. And God bless those parents who were quarantined and it's just them and their child because they didn't have that. And what, you know, just the opportunity to be like, let me, let me go for a drive by myself and let me do this and let me do that. And I would tell parents, if you're in a situation where it's just you, there's going to be a point where you can take a couple minutes in the bathroom, even if you've got to go cry in the bathroom to yourself, you go cry in that bathroom. I mean, I've done it before because it, you have to let it out. And you don't want to do it in a way where it's going to be detrimental to your child's overall health or mental health, you know, because again, they are aware they are, they are, kids are sympathetic people. They have emotional awareness. They may not know how to express, but they know when their parents are stressed. They know when their parents are sad. And you being able to have that time where you're like, okay, I've reached my limit. Let me go take care of myself so I can come back definitely do that uh, because it, it prevents you from yelling right and screaming and you know just taking other measures that may be uncalled for to get that release that you need when really taking care of ourselves from the beginning is what we should be doing it's so hard to do especially if you feel overwhelmed if you feel like you don't have enough time but there are moments where you can find rest. And I'm not talking about taking a nap. Like you can put your phone down for a couple minutes. You can go and get make yourself a cup of tea or something that is comforting to you. If you like blankets, snuggle up with a, a, a blanket and whatever you can do, little things. And try to be mindful and take the time to appreciate those things in the moment because our kids are they're learning from us and if we're showing them that we can't control our emotions, they're not going to know how to either. Right. You right. Know? Exactly. And then yeah. they grow up into society as adults that can't control their emotions as well. Right. Yes. Yes. So what I'm getting from you thing. is, yeah, it's very scary. So what I'm getting from you is really self-awareness. If you need that time in your car, that extra five minutes, or that time in the bathroom, go ahead and take it. Make a cup of tea, journal, taking time for yourself so that you can be able to serve your little ones. I, I love that. So in closing, Brittany, like if someone wants to get in contact with you for their child or um, someone that they're looking after, how can they find you on social media and also on the internet in general? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Instagram at mrs.childtherapy. Uh, that's Mrs. Mrs. Child Therapy. I do have a YouTube channel that I just started. Uh, it's called Brittany Cephas. Uh, Brittany Cephas TV. There, you. I, I have two different parts of it. One, I'm giving parents free tips, tricks, uh, recommendations on how to help manage you know their child's emotions and you know i'm i'm doing it from uh just a, a quick tip 
kind of point of view. But then the other side of my channel is just showing people a glimpse of how I am being a mom and managing things on my end as well. Um, my website, uh, www.grow-minds.com is where you can find me as well. Lovely, lovely. So everyone, please do not hesitate to get in contact with Brittany if you want to know more about her work, if you want to see how she does things in the life of a working from home mom. Do not hesitate to get in contact with her. As usual, everyone, until next week, remember to subscribe if you haven't already done so. Share this episode with a friend and give us five stars. Until then, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you.